you know what? You can say who's playing well now in this moment in time in this matchup. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's going to come down to the last play. That, that This game is bigger than how you're playing today. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That was Seth Greenberg, the former Virginia Tech coach, now with ESPN. He'll be there at the Smith Center tomorrow. Doors open at 9.30 a.m. Admission for that part of the day is free. College game day broadcast begins at 11 a.m. on ESPN proper. The big game is not until 6 p.m. You do have to pay for that. It is the 100th anniversary of Duke Carolina dating to 1920. They are split 50-50 over their last 100 contests. They are imbalanced this year. Duke high again in the polls. Carolina scraping bottom at 10 and 12. Will it go down to the wire, as Coach Greenberg said? Will it deliver? Dan Shulman and Jay Billis, regular guests on our show, they talk about how this game almost always delivers. Will it also deliver even under these circumstances where Duke's a national championship contender and the Tar Heels may struggle just to get into the NIT? Well, we'll see tomorrow. They play again later, of course, in Durham. Eric in Weaverville has one of the greatest sports rivalries on his mind. Mike is in Greensboro and I think has another great example from the college level. Bobby in Durham wants in as well. They heard the question of the day, what is the greatest rivalry you've experienced as an athlete or just as a fan, and what made it that? I talked about Sixers, Celtics in the NBA, Eagles, Cowboys in the NFL from my childhood in Philadelphia. But in my personal experience, it's now Duke Carolina. As much as I respect a lot of others, I think Duke Carolina is the best for a lot of reasons that I've been explaining and will continue to get into during the course of today's show. In my case, I go back to the 80s. There's one thing that's changed significantly in the rivalry, and it has nothing to do with winning and losing. I'll tell you more about that. Remember, Duke's Carlos Boozer, now with the ACC Network, formerly of the NBA, also played with Kobe Bryant on the L.A. Lakers and Team USA. Booze drops by in about 10 minutes. Your call's now. Eric in Weaverville, North Carolina, once in on great sports rivalries. Go right ahead. I think it's got to be one of the greatest anyway. It's got to be Yankees-Red Sox. Uh, I started watching the Red Sox in 2004, and uh, I bet my brother and I probably watched 100 games that year uh, start to finish. And, uh, you know, I think. So I became a fan in 04, so I didn't get to enjoy the uh, the, the 2003 ALCS, oh. you know, Aaron F. and Boone. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, so, but, uh, I, you know, like I said, I watched a bunch of games, and, and then when it came down to the ALCS, and, you know, we were down, you know, three games to none, and I was like, this is over. right. You picked no, a good time. You picked a good time to jump into the Car the uh, Yankees Red Sox rivalry, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my brother said he said I hate you. He, <laughs> he said I've been watching, uh, you know, New England sports for twenty years. He said and you jump in the first year and they win it. Hey, uh, and and Eric, did you fall in love with Yankees Red Sox as a rivalry from here in North Carolina, or do you have any roots up there? No, I was, I was born and raised here okay. in North Carolina. And so, yeah, that uh, shows the power of Yankees-Red Sox, man. When we do this poll, we get college football examples. We get NBA examples. Sometimes it'll be Lakers, Celtics, or somebody else. We get NFL examples of great rivalries, other pro and college votes. But Yankees-Red Sox, Duke Carolina, almost always are somewhere on the medal stand, if you will, gold, silver, or bronze. And I think Yankees-Red Sox is that big. It's another one that you could be visiting a foreign country and say, Duke, Carolina, Yankees, Red Sox, not everybody, obviously, but a whole lot of people 
are going to know what you're talking about. And certainly in our country, if you're a sports fan, you're well aware of both. Mike is in Greensboro and next up on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, the greatest uh, college rivalry for football would have to be uh, Ohio State and Michigan. That's a good one. I mean, I like Alabama-Auburn as well. I like Florida-Georgia is a good one. Texas-Oklahoma is a good one. But Ohio State-Michigan is definitely on the short list. Do you know it from experience, or are you just admiring from afar? Well, a bit of a bad memory. I go back to the beginning of the rivalry between Bo Schembechler and Whitney okay. Hayes. I took a bus tour up to Michigan from Columbus, Ohio, back in 1967 or 68, when Ohio State played Michigan. Uh, with Rex Kern, you may not remember that, but uh, that was when Bo Schembechler got started, and uh, uh, Ohio State was supposed to be the uh, world beaters. Uh, had a great uh, sophomore uh, team, but they went up to Michigan and unfortunately uh, uh, got beat uh, pretty badly. Darren, for you as a 20 and 30-something, what are the first rivalries that come to mind? Because Mike and Greensboro... You know, I'm not old enough to remember all of those examples. I certainly remember Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes. Darren, you are not responsible for knowing all of those, at least not <laughs> not, not from sort of, uh, you know, first person, meaning I saw sure. them on TV. You probably read about them. Uh, I mentioned some of those. Growing up in Philly, you know what? And I think this is pretty strong. I mean, I know it's pretty strong nationally. It's hard to rank them. Like Duke Carolina in college basketball is a clear number one. Yankees, Red Sox in baseball is a clear number one. And there are so many other candidates. We mentioned, I mean, rugby and international soccer, for crying out loud. Because Army-Navy was all, back then, I think it was always in Philly in my childhood. Now it moves around a little bit, still has Philly in the rotation. But because so many people, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, yeah, it does extend beyond those who are alums of those schools or fans of those schools because it's so big. Army, Navy, you didn't have to go to West Point or the Naval Academy. You could have an extended family member who served our country in the Army or Navy. You could just be a proud American and be intrigued by Army, Navy. You just Maybe you read John Feinstein's book on the Army-Navy football rivalry. That's one that comes to mind. Alabama-Auburn, Michigan-Ohio State, Oklahoma-Texas, I mentioned. When I was a kid, Southern Cal-Notre Dame was really, really big. Not as much lately. Georgia-Florida, because of the cocktail party aspect, I went there, and that's hard to forget. When I was a kid, Miami-Florida State was ginormous. Not, again, as much lately. Uh, but, yeah, those are the biggies. Would you have a, a 20 and 30-something pecking order with college I, football robberies? Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, the more general conversation still starts with – Duke Carolina in college basketball, basketball yeah. and Yankees Red Sox in baseball. Yeah. That has not changed no. over over generations. Um, Michigan Ohio State is still one that is recognized, I guess, but it's it's lost a little bit of its luster. Uh, you, you, so because many of the those guys keep winning. Yeah, yeah. And, and so many of those old ones either they don't play the games anymore or they've become one sided that it's really tough to name many more. Uh, Alabama Auburn obviously is is huge and and uh, what maybe ten years ago was at its at its peak probably at yeah. where it was in my lifetime because both teams were you know like one and two in in some cases when they would play. But it's funny. You think about older rivalries like uh, Michigan and Notre Dame used to yeah. be a, a rivalry, right, in college football. True. But that's not not the case anymore. 
Uh, you mentioned Miami, Florida State, and you know they're both in the ACC right now, and it's it's still not a rivalry. I think a lot of them have have lost that flair. Well put, and especially when one side it's still a rivalry when one side dominates, but outsiders are not as interested. It still matters to those two fan bases. It still carries the rivalry label. But when Ohio State has the sledgehammer over Michigan, when Clemson has the sledgehammer over South Carolina, right? And there are a lot of other examples of this. When Oklahoma has been up too often, sometimes by large margins over Texas, for example. Alabama, Tennessee used to be huge in college football. I mean, lately, it's like you just assume the Crimson Tide's going to kill the Volunteers. And, again, it matters for the fan bases. It changes for those on the outside. Duke, Carolina, I think is as resilient along those lines in men's basketball, kind of like Yankees, Red Sox, and baseball. That's why they are two of the best of all time. Carlos Boozer played in the Duke-Carolina basketball rivalry, had a very nice record. I wonder if he would remember his exact record while playing for the Blue Devils against the Tar Heels. Usually the guys have fuzzy memories if it's not a great record, but often they'll know the exact number if they won all the time. Carlos Boozer is now with the ACC Network. ESPN and the ACC Network have a full day of festivities tomorrow surrounding Duke's trip to Chapel Hill. It's a 6 o'clock start. Booze will be part of the coverage on the ACC Network. There's a huge event at Top of the Hill in Chapel Hill uh, with ESPN and the ACC Network starting at noon. Doors will open there. Shout out to my old law school classmate, Scott Maitland, who runs that place. So I mentioned Smith Center doors open at 9.30 a.m. Carlos Boozer is still going to be on the TV at like probably 9 p.m. It's a full day of Duke Carolina basketball. Carlos Boozer joins us next on the David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Our next guest actually came up, his name did, on our show not long ago. Remember when we were celebrating Zion Williamson finally making the NBA after sitting out with all those injuries? Carlos Boozer, who of course knows the Duke Carolina rivalry because he played in it, knows or knew Kobe Bryant because he played with him. So Booz came up in our eyes for that reason as well. He now describes and analyzes college basketball as a member of the ACC Network and ESPN. Carlos, I don't know if your ears were ringing, man, as we thank you for joining us here on the David Glenn Show, uh, but we put you, of course, with four others on our all-time Duke in the NBA starting lineup. What do you think? Oh, thanks for having me. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Man. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of really good players coming out of my alma mater uh, honored to be on your list, man. Honored to be on your list. Well, as we look forward to tomorrow's game, let me know. I mean, these guys, of course, are from all generations. We have Kyrie well, Irving. Who, who at, was the other four guys? Okay, we have we have Kyrie at the point, right? He's you know he's 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 active, but he's a six-time All-Star already. We have Grant Hill, a seven-time All-Star. What was it? Uh, almost two decades or 17 years, I think, in the NBA. Elton Brand is one of our bigs. We, we threw a Luol Deng in there. The old-timers wanted a Jeff Mullins or somebody else. 
But, man, you were a multi-time All-Star. You spent, what, 13 years in that league? That's our starting five, but we are we built a whole roster, man. You'd have been really proud. Oh, wow. That's, I like that. That's a great squad. I think out of the group, um, Grant Hill was probably the best player to come out of Duke as far as the NBA is concerned. Right. I know the injuries cut his, cut his career short, but he was phenomenal. I mean, he was MVP talks for early on in his career, and then I had a great, great, great career, but Injuries cut him short. <clears throat> One sad thing before we get to the fun things. You played with Kobe Bryant, both as a member of the Lakers in the NBA and with Team USA, representing our country in the red, white, and blue. Uh, that happened a while back, of course, the tragic helicopter crash. I know you met with uh, or you spoke with Coach K on his radio show and kind of poured your heart out a little bit. How do you summarize your reflections on the late, great Kobe Bryant as a person and as a basketball player? I mean, yeah, as a basketball player, Kobe was incredible. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for a better career, you know, 18 all-star appearances and five-time NBA champion, you know, two gold medals. His career speaks for itself. He put the work in to be as great as he was. But I think, honestly, his best his best accomplishment was the father that he became once he retired. I mean, he put so much time into those girls and into his wife, just enjoying his wife and his kids. And um, that, to me, was is, is the mark of, of, of how great he really was. He was an icon, you know, felt all across the world. A loss of him and his daughter and the rest of those people in the helicopter, we all, we all still mourn. Um, yeah. Clearly, Kobe, I mean, Kobe's, Mamba mentality and his legacy will, will live a, a lifetime, a generation on it. It'll, it'll, it'll surpass him. Um, anything else he ever did because it, it goes with everybody going forward. All the athletes continue to have that Mamba mentality across the sport. Even in life, you can use that same mentality to go after whatever you want to achieve. So um, he's accomplished things that are, that are eternal. Um, but we all miss him very, very much, and we're still mourning him. I keep telling people it's like a nightmare we can't wake up from. Well put. Carlos Boozer joining us on the David Glenn Show. If you want to follow him on Twitter, of course, you can always catch him on the ACC Network, but it's at Mr. C. Booz, B-O-O-Z, and you spell out Mr. at M-I-S-T-E-R, C. Booz, B-O-O-Z. All right, you played in this Duke-Carolina thing. Between y'all at the ACC Network, and I know you'll be in studio offering analysis after the game, it's like, you know, Billis and those guys show up at 11 o'clock. The Smith Center doors are actually open to the public at 9.30 a.m. You'll be offering analysis like after 8 p.m. There are not many sporting events that get, you know, besides the Super Bowl and a few others. I mean, truly like 12 straight hours of coverage. When you were playing at Duke, do you remember Coach K being different, your teammates, the assistant coaches, your professors, your classmates? You know, some say Coach K was mostly the same, but a lot of that other stuff was a lot different leading up to any Duke Carolina game. Listen, the reason why we go to Duke and the reason why players go to Carolina, uh, you're going to play against the best competition in the country. You're going to play for you know, legendary coaches. You're going to have a chance to go to the next level. But that week of Duke versus Carolina is something different. You know, our practices are a lot tighter. Film, we watch more film tape during that week than, than most than most weeks. Um, our practice sessions are super intense because we're locked in. It doesn't matter who's ranked what. It doesn't matter who has the more NBA uh, caliber players. All bets are off. When you're in a rivalry week, you're going against a rivalry that dates way before you, that will go way after you. You're, you're part of something very special. And just, just look at the... 
the the comparison. Both teams have won fifty games. Both yeah. teams have scored the exact same number, exact exact same amount of points. Like it's that's how close the games are. I mean, I've been to some double overtime games, some some buzzer. I've seen some buzzer beaters. I was just talking to Jerry Stackhouse and, and Jeff Cable about their legendary game they had back in the day. That was one of the games that made me want to be a part of that that rivalry. Uh, it's just you know, anytime you see Duke versus Carolina, you're liable to see something very special. It's one of the biggest rivalries in sports up there with Yankees and Red Sox. I covered your career, and off the top of my head, I would not know, you know, the exact number. Carlos Boozer was X wins and Y losses head-to-head against the Tar Heels. But I know it was a really good record, man. Would you know it off the top of your head? Yeah, me and Jay Will had a conversation about this over some wine a couple years ago. (laughs) I think we were were 7-1. I think we only lost one game. There was only one loss. I remember that. I forget the other number. I'm pretty, but. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's 7-1 or something like that. What do you remember most about those games? Just the intensity, man. I'd be, to be quite frank, like I remember, you know, there's, there's human nature. Sometimes you overlook a, a lesser opponent as you get ready for a Carolina. You know, I remember we we lost the game. I don't know if it, who it was. We lost the game that. We should have won in our minds as we were preparing for the for the Carolina game, and you know it's one of those games that you circle on the calendar every year when, when, the, when the schedule comes out. You know when, when we were in college, they had a really good team. They were led by Ed Coda, who was their yeah. uh, All American point guard. They had Joe Forte, who used to give us headaches left and right. They had Brendan Haywood in the middle, who was you know his size and athleticism was, was different, and uh, obviously the rest of that crew, but. The bottom line is it's one of those games that you look forward to playing. That's why you sign up to go to Duke. That's why you sign up to go to Carolina. Those guys want to play against us as well. And it's because of the proximity of the schools. We're literally down the street from each other. Yeah. You know, we're like a 15-minute 15, 15 ride from each other. So it's just, you know, I, I remember a couple games. Honestly, I just switched my jersey at halftime because I sweat so much in the first half because <laughs> the, intensity, the intensity was so fierce. So. You know, tomorrow night's going to be something special. It's crazy. It is the 100th anniversary of Duke Carolina. The rivalry does date to 1920, long before Carlos was around. Heck, long, long before I was around as well. And he mentioned that one number. In the last 100 head-to-head contests, 50 wins exactly for both sides, 7,746 points exactly for both sides. It is just a crazy, crazy aspect of a rivalry we have celebrated here for a long time. You kind of referred a little bit to the concept of throwing the records out, right? I mean, you know the deal. Duke is number seven. Duke is 19-3. and Uh, Roy Williams has never been associated with a losing record as a head coach or even his time as an assistant with Dean Smith. You know, that's going back to the 70s. And yet the Tar Heels are 10 wins and 12 losses, tied for last in the ACC, as they host the Blue Devils, what would the Tar Heels have to do, uh, even without a Brandon Robinson, their senior guard who's still hurt? Uh, how do you go from last place to beating the number seven team in the country? I mean, obviously, I, I should talk to us. If they are going to play at home, that, that votes in their favor. Yeah. They have a spectacular freshman that they just got back, Cole Anthony, who I think is phenomenal. I think he'll be a top five pick in the NBA draft. And, and, and just a real quick in reference to, to their record, if Cole Anthony plays and doesn't get hurt, they'd have a winning record. <laughs> he's, true, he's true. that much of a difference maker, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, not having Robinson hurts. He's one of their, their knockdown shooters from the outside, from the perimeter. And he, had, he had some really great games before he got hurt as well. Um, but, 
I think for them, they got to figure out how to how to score. They go through drops when they, when they have a tough time scoring. I think Cole will help spell that because he can play make for not only himself but his teammates as well. Um, I think the Blue Devils have much more talent, you know, from top to bottom. And I think that will that will bode well. But then being at home, you never know what can happen. So, you know, for my Blue Devils out there, they got to bring their end game because the Tar Heels will be ready, especially after a loss that they should have won in their, in their last outing. You mentioned uh, Kobe Bryant as the super dad in the later years of life. Are you playing super dad as you're visiting with us on the David Glenn Show? Yeah, you can, you, you can hear my daughter in the background. Me and my wife are, are taking her to get her passport so we can take her you know, across some waters in summer. Oh, very cool. Carlos. She, 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 she's clearly trying to say hi. She's only 10 months old. Uh, and what is her name? Chris Bloom. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Tell her we say hello as well. There is exactly one month left in the regular season. Carlos Boozer of the ACC Network is joining us here on the David Glenn Show. You mentioned that human nature thing. Coach K brought yeah. it up when the Devils struggled up at Boston College. Like he actually said, yeah. "My guys are not listening to me." He doesn't say that very often. Uh, how does it work in the aftermath of upsetting Coach K? Because he did not look happy the other night. Well, it's t- I mean, listen, the bottom line is you're playing for a Hall of Fame coach who has had some of the best players that ever, you know, picked up a basketball coming to his, his university. So he knows what excellence looks like, right? Yeah. And then at the same time, we have a, a huge young group, a young group of guys who is trying to achieve excellence. So he's going to set the bar at a certain level. And anytime he sees you play below that level, he's going to challenge you. And that's his job to get to make you the best basketball player, the best student, the best uh, young man that he can he can he can help you grow into before you leave his campus. So you know, anytime you're struggling a little bit against Boston College, and give them credit, they played very well at home. BC did a good job. They've had an up and down year. They played the Blue Devils very tough, but that I think it was the human nature of them looking forward to the next couple games, Carolina especially, and uh, and rightfully so. I mean, a lot of these kids, this is their first time that's just going to be in that building to go against that team and be a part of that rivalry. I'm looking forward to seeing what the young Blue Devils do. You know, they're led by Trey Jones, who's you know, obviously played there last year, did a great job of, of, of playing well last year. He'll lead that young group in, into the Dean Dome, and we'll see what happens. When you think of that bigger picture, you know, around here we're going to be talking Tar Heels, Blue Devils all the way into next week. But in that bigger picture, right. I mean, you know one narrative is, is the ACC really only going to get three teams into the NCAA tournament? And the other narrative is, which of those three just has the best chance of either making a long run or maybe even winning a national championship? I mean, all three are in the top, what, eight or so of the national rankings. Does one of those three, whatever you like in March Madness, you know, depth, experience, guard play, coaching, whatever, which which of the three, FSU, Louisville, or Duke, uh, do you think has that highest ceiling come March? Uh, great question. I think all three teams are, are phenomenal. I think I think the ACC gets fourteen, maybe five, and I think I think uh, NC State has a good chance. I, I somehow think the national those three teams, Louisville, Duke, and Florida State, have been terrific all year. They've got great wins against very good teams. They got a great mix of, of veterans and, and young guys. You know, Jordan Wall is probably the ACC Player of the Year right now. I mean, there's still you know nine, ten games to go yeah. and a lot left of basketball. Um, I think Chris Mack has a great opportunity to be the, the coach of the year in the ACC. Doing a phenomenal job in only year number two, I think it is, at Louisville. Um, if I had to pick a team that could go the farthest, I would pick them today. But I, I, I say that because I think Duke has a bigger uh, potential. I think they have more potential because they're so young. I think they can grow even more 
I don't know if they're ready for that right now today, but I think they have an, they have an opportunity um, as they continue, as the season continues to go along with the last nine, ten games of the season, what they're going to have to go through, you know, playing against Carolina, going into the ACC tournament. I think they have a very good shot as well. And Florida State is phenomenally coached. You make a Leonard Hamilton. All his teams are tough. They're physical. They're very deep. I think all three of those teams have, have, have deep rosters who can score, who can defend, who can do multiple things uh, on the offensive and defensive end, and they're all well coached. So, to be honest, I think all three of them have a chance to go deep in, in the NCAA tournament, but if I had to pick a team right now, I would be Louisville. As we send you into the weekend with your family, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the ACC Network, just so you know, we are still thinking of you 18 years after you last wore that Blue Devil uniform. <laughs> and I want, you Thank know, you. we got Leitner coming off the bench on that. Uh, and we did give credit only for what guys did in the NBA. I, like, we haven't forgotten, oh, you know, you. Jay Williams or Bobby Hurley. But you know, oh, you, you know how this stuff works. So we got Leitner coming off the bench for you. We got Reddick if you yeah. need a shooter. We got Battier. We got Maggetti. We've waited on some of the young guys, but obviously Brandon Ingram, right. Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson. Yeah. Uh, it's a heck of a team, man, uh, and we're, we're proud to call you one of our five starters. Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, great chatting that. with you, man. Thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. You too. Anytime, guys. You got it. Free for All Friday continues with more of your phone calls. I think we had Mike Jaminski all coming off the bench on that team. Gene Banks, Johnny Dawkins, Danny Ferry. Uh, Jeff Mullins was a really good player back in the day at the pro level. And then the young guys, man, the next generation. The Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram just made the All-Star game as well. Marvin Bagley's a good young player. Uh, Justice Winslow just got traded, actually, from the Heat. Uh, but Zion Williamson, after a long, long wait, I think he's already proven some skeptics wrong. Yes, his way can work at the NBA level. When he's healthy, yeah, they're taller, they're more athletic, but he can still attack the rim. He can still hit some threes. He is a dynamic player and has proven to be that in just a couple of weeks of action since his long injury-related layoff. Free for All Friday continues. It's all really your phone calls most of the rest of the way. The Big South Commissioner is going to drop by. Kyle Kalander had a big announcement to make earlier today. North Carolina A&T, based in Greensboro, right here in our backyard, is moving from the MEAC, where they have been a football superpower and also an outstanding basketball program, to starting next summer, meaning 2021, they're going to jump to the Big South. It's a big deal for a lot of different reasons. One of them is the Big South is now the league that has more members in North Carolina than any other. I mean, we're ACC country, duh, right? Duke, Carolina State, and Wake Forest. The Big South is soon going to have five. High Point, Campbell, UNC, Asheville, Gardner-Webb already in that league. And A&T will be joining them next summer. Uh, I think it's July of 2021. It is the largest historically black college or university in the entire country, North Carolina A&T. They have spent the last 96 years in an HBCU league. It was the CIAA for a long, long time, and then A&T actually helped create the MIAC. They were a founding member of the league that they are now about to leave way back in 1971. So it's big news for that fan base. Not everybody likes change. It is a step up in various ways. 
But what happens to the rivalries? You can't have the football celebration bowl anymore. If you're not winning the MEAC, obviously, you can still go to the playoffs as uh, an FCS football program when you jump to the Big South. But a lot of change. Not everybody likes change, but the university studied this for a long time and decided to pull the trigger on this move again. They'll finish this season, of course. They will go through next season as a member of the MEAC, one last year. And then in the 2021 summer, they will be mem become members of the Big South. The commissioner of the Big South, who announced that news this morning, Kyle Kalander, is going to join us in hour number three. Otherwise, it's you and me and your phone calls at 1-800-849-2761. You know the rules on Free For All Friday. As long as it has something to do with sports and or this statewide syndicated radio show, it is fair game for your question, comment, complaint. Could be something that you couldn't get in on because the lines were jammed earlier this week. Could be looking back, could be looking forward, could be looking all the way back to something that's been burning a hole in your sports soul for a long time. We have a lot of college basketball on our mind beyond Duke Carolina even. The NFL offseason, the return of the XFL tomorrow. The Canes in the NHL with a trade, line, trade deadline coming up in hockey. The Hornets, not so much, but the NBA, their trade deadline just came and went with the Heat and the Rockets among those making the biggest waves. The MMA ranks offer a big bout this weekend. John Jones back in the octagon, pay-per-view style in Houston. The Pebble Beach Pro-Am is a lot of fun always for golf fans. College football has the transfer circuit and portal and just celebrated National Signing Day Part 2 with Mac Brown and UNC among those celebrating. You have questions and comments? We have answers, at least in some cases, and we have more thoughts on the week that was and the weekend to come. 1-800-849-2761. That's how you can be next on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are coming back to your calls. Carlos Boozer in the books. The Big South's commissioner, Kyle Kalander, is going to join us in less than 60 minutes. The largest HBCU in the nation is going to be on the move next year. North Carolina A&T, based here in Greensboro, North Carolina, will be jumping to the Big South next summer. They were a founding member of their current league, the MEAC, in 1971. It is big news for Aggies fans, maybe even Eagles fans. Those two schools, Central and A&T, play each other in every sport and have done so for a long time in recent years as fellow members of the MEAC, of course. Now they're going to be in different leagues again. They, of course, can schedule non-conference games, and that is part of the plan moving forward. More on all of these things with Kyle Kalander. He, of course, already has Campbell, UNC Asheville, High Point University, and Gardner-Webb in his league, which is kind of uh, compact compared to most. You know, realignment and conference expansion – in favor of more TV dollars has kind of burned the bridges of the concept of living near your neighbors so that the volleyball team has short bus trips, et cetera. Those are long trips after conference realignment and expansion. Not so much for the Big South. Every member, every full member 
of the league is in a three-state area, so it's kind of a throwback approach with all of those teams being in either North Carolina, South Carolina, or Virginia. More on that breaking news that became official this morning after more of your free-for-all Friday phone calls. Questions of the day include these. The XFL is back tomorrow. Seattle against D.C. I asked the question, will you be watching since football so long ago surpassed baseball as America's most popular sport? NFL and college football are insanely popular and insanely lucrative. 75% of you are saying no, roughly, so far. That means 25% of you will be watching, I guess, or you say you will, as Seattle's Dragons take on the D.C. Defenders. That is on ABC tomorrow at 2 p.m., Seven of the eight XFL cities are NFL cities. So you've got Dallas, D.C., Houston, L.A., New York, Seattle, and Tampa Bay. The other, St. Louis, of course, had the NFL for a long time until recently. Will you recognize the names of the players? Not all that often. Cardell Jones, former Ohio State quarterback, is one of the prominent names in QBs. He's with the D.C. team that plays on TV tomorrow. Landry Jones, you remember from the NFL. Probably Josh Johnson, another veteran quarterback. He's with the L.A. team. But not a lot of huge names. No big salaries, by the way, besides quarterbacks. So Vince McMahon is keeping his expenses down. The average player over a 10-game regular season is only going to make about $55,000 a year. Now, in some contexts, that's okay money or good money, maybe. But in pro sports, obviously, they, those are peanuts. So they're keeping their expenses down, and they're maximizing their exposure by striking deals with ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, FS1, and FS2. Vince McMahon is making this gamble as I come back to your calls. Rivalries, XFL, and the week that was and the weekend to come. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Vince McMahon is a pretty good businessman. Proud ECU product, right? WWF in the old days I grew up with. WWE, as it's now called. He decided to just go for exposure rather than TV dollars, even though that's all we talk about in college sports, making all decisions with TV dollars in mind, right? And at the pro level, you better pay attention to that too as a revenue stream. It is number one in many contexts. He decided that because he wanted everybody to see these games, and those channels, some of them are extremely prominent channels, ABC proper for tomorrow's launch game, zero rights fees, zero. No dollars in year one. So the theory is... Make it as easy as possible to see these games on the largest platforms. But those networks weren't going to fork over big bucks for an unproven commodity, right? When every other attempt at a non-NFL outdoor professional league has failed. Every one, dating back decades. So there's a risk factor for Vince McMahon. The trade he was willing to make was maximum exposure, zero rights fees. That's a, that's a dead, dry revenue stream. Of course, his plan and hope is that if enough people watch it in year one, by year two, those same networks or others are willing to pay big bucks because football is as proven a TV commodity as we have anywhere in American television, even beyond the sports world. 1-800-849-2761. Tommy is in Carborough and next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to the program. 
Hey, how you doing, David? Doing great, man. What is the greatest rivalry you've experienced as an athlete or a fan, and what made it that for you? And for those, by the way, who are saying it's Duke Carolina, tell us your favorite memory as those two get back on the basketball court tomorrow night in Chapel Hill. Go ahead, Tommy. Um, I think one of my favorites to watch, my favorite personally, is Duke, North Carolina. So much history there, so many future NBA players. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the greatest. I do think the Celtics and the Lakers are the best, though, strictly because they're playing for championships. And Duke and Carolina, I think, haven't met in the NCAA tournament before since I think they had that one tournament in 71. But they're never really playing for the yeah, title. I see what I you mean. they play for the title, though. Yeah, so the, the, most, yeah, the most they're playing for is an ACC title. And I have seen some of those, man, and they, and they are as intense as any college basketball games I have ever seen. Sometimes a regular season game between Duke and Carolina can feel that way. But I get it. That's a pretty good argument. Actually, you can even apply that to Yankees-Red Sox, right? The most that the Yankees and the Red Sox, which often come up as the greatest rivalry in American sports, they're not playing with the ultimate title on the line. I mean, they're playing occasionally with a trip to the World Series on the line. But as members of the same league you know it's not the ultimate prize that is at stake that's a good angle Lakers Celtics when I was a kid was as good as it got in and when it was when the Sixers were really good Sixers Celtics was as intense as anything I had ever seen but the Sixers were not great as often as the Celtics were great and the Lakers and the Celtics were often great at the same time and that's why that was and to a degree I guess still is one of the great rivalries in American sports. Dex wants to take us in a slightly different direction, perhaps internationally. I am always in favor of international travel. Dex, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thank you, Dave. Um, I took the rivalry perspective from a different angle. I went more from the the, the, the uh, fan rivalry okay. aspect of it. Um, I, so two of them that stick out, I, I told the earlier one, but one came up when I, when I was on my uh, when I was on hold, uh, River Plate and Boca Juniors playing soccer in Buenos Aires. If you get a chance, look it up on YouTube. Okay. The stadium is bananas. But the biggest one I, I was thinking of was Celtic versus Rangers in Scotland. So for a while, they shared a stadium, and one, one, was, one was on the road, one played at home, like, like the Jets and Giants now. But, of course, they played each other twice a year, and the fandom was so bananas that um, they would actually have the stadium kind of divided in half, and one section on each side of the stadium was completely empty. And then... Yeah, the, this the is next-level like, stuff. This the, is... I I'm know sorry? what you mean, because I've seen, by the way, for those who haven't been to a, a match overseas, I actually went to a Tottenham match against Aston Villa just this past summer, and there are those kind of glow-in-the-dark security uniforms right where one fan section ends and where the other begins. But it's not, the, it's not this huge valley that Dex is describing. Like, the Aston Villa section ends, and then the other 90% of the stadium is Spurs fans. So there's security in these, like, trenches. So they take it seriously enough that there are almost like hockey glass barriers in some cases, and then there are human beings in these glow-in-the-dark security uniforms truly lining the whole meeting place wherever Aston Villa's fans met Spurs fans there were security standing there in these security trenches what Dex is talking about is leaving an entire section empty and having security uh, along with the empty sections just to have extra space between the two sides what I saw was scary the intensity the profanity the I mean 
They were ready to just drop the gloves to steal the hockey phrase and go at it. And were not an enormous security people standing between the two different EPL fans. I, I, what we saw was eye-opening. Like, Maria was appalled. My wife was half scared at what she saw. And she's from New York City, so she doesn't scare easily. It was intense. And what you're describing, man, sounds like next-level intense if uh, they got to leave entire sections empty. Yeah, it was it, well. It was of course it was born from the rivalry, the the religious rivalry. One team was only Catholic, one team was only Protestant. So that helped spur the you know the fanaticism of the fans. Of course, it you know it grew way past that, and there are multiple religions on both teams. But that's still the the the, the base of the support. So yeah, they had to have the uh, the security all you know seat one all up and down. It was security, no no seats, nobody sitting there, and then seat twenty five. All up and down security. I actually tweeted a picture at the show earlier today. Yes, I saw it's that. Bananas. Okay, that was from you. Very cool. That says it all right there. You can see the security. You can see the empty seats. Uh, it might not be close enough up to see the spittle flying from one fan base to the other, but that was good stuff. Dex, thanks for calling. Hey, I thought religion was supposed to bring people together. Do you mean there are examples in world history of religion being a divisive thing? Is that what he just said there? In, in sock? Oh, no. Sometimes people die because people take a certain view of religion. At least in sports, it doesn't come to that quite as often. 1-800-849-2761. Kyle Kalander on the breaking realignment news of the day. North Carolina A&T is headed from the MEAC to the Big South starting next year. We have Duke Carolina upon us tomorrow night in Chapel Hill. More of my thoughts on that great rivalry and that big game with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. Well, I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? Was, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. What is the biggest difference between the Duke-Carolina rivalry I read about from the 1960s before I was even born, the Duke-Carolina rivalry that I began to cover in the late 1980s when both teams were really good under Dean Smith and, of course, an earlier version of Mike Krzyzewski, and the version of what we see now. We're going to discuss more about this year's matchup, but my answer is more of a general one. As we ask you if you're going to tune in as a football fan to the XFL tomorrow, now that you got to wait two and a half months for the NFL draft, you'll get some free agency. You don't have meaningful NFL games for another eight months almost. Will you be watching the XFL more saying no than yes? And then because Duke Carolina, Duke and Carolina are getting together again tomorrow night in Chapel Hill, what is that greatest rivalry you've ever experienced as an athlete or fan? And what made it that? And if your answer is Duke UNC, you can tell us your favorite memory. I will share my favorite memory. It's from not too long ago, and it's my favorite because it underlines the contrast of what we have today compared to what I read about in the 60s and even what I covered in the 80s. My story with your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next. Rob Schneider joining us on the David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friends said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? It's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> you see that building over there in a couple of months? There's going to be some breasts in there. You're listening to the David Glenn Show.